Hey everyone, this is Preston Cox, and welcome to the next episode, episode number six of the Young Church Leaders Podcast. This is a show for young leaders, especially those in the millennial generation. Uh, it's a place for us to share the things that we're learning and experiencing as we grow into primary leadership roles in the church today. In today's episode, I want to continue our conversation about boundaries. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode, episode 5, that we talked about time management and Sabbath, I would love for you to go back and be able to listen to that. In this episode, I'm wanting to discuss another set of boundaries focusing on relationships. So, thanks for listening in. Welcome to the journey. Let's get going. So picking up where we left off last week, as I mentioned, I want to talk about relationships um, and how do we set boundaries around our relationships. Whether you like it or not, as a minister, people are going to want to hang out with you and be your best friend. People see you in a leadership role, and if you're good at it, you're probably relatable and you're friendly, and so people are going to want to spend a lot of time with you. <laughs> For some of us, that's okay. For some of us, not so much. We're not so good with the people side of things. This is going to sound weird, but by all means, spend time with your congregation and devote time to caring for your flock. Enjoy the flock, but understand that you can't serve everyone the same way. Of course, you're unless you're in a smaller church, then maybe you can, but I think even in those smaller contexts, it's hard to serve everyone with the same kind of tenacity. At our church, we have this concept that we try to follow where we seek to do for a few what we wish we could do for everyone. This is an Andy Stanley concept, right? He's mentioned this before in his teachings. What that means is, I can't have coffee or lunch with everyone in our church who asks me to but I can have coffee or lunch with two or three people. Um, and in those meetings, I can really give those two or three my full attention, and I can really enjoy their company. With this practice of doing for a few, you're able to give your best self to those three or four people so that you can also give your best self to your congregation week after week, after week. I'll be honest, there are Sundays where I have spent all week around people at different events, and on those Sundays, I just want to go and hide in the corner and be quiet. <laughs> uh, it's probably very obvious here that I'm a textbook introvert, uh, which I'm sure many of you are as well. It, it's, it's kind of prone of leaders to be introverted. However, Sunday is one of those days where I am given the opportunity to mix and mingle with the congregation, with a large diversity, a diverse group of people within the congregation, and I'm able to give my attention to a lot of people. What I've learned is, if I have burned out relationally during the week by overscheduling interactions, I'm not going to be a good steward of the work I need to do on Sunday morning when the congregation expects for me to be interactive and friendly and engaging. 
So what I'm trying to say is if I've spent all week jam-packing my schedule with dinners and lunches and coffee dates and these sorts of things, I'm going to just totally burn myself out relationally. Uh, and then all I'm going to want to do is go hide in the sound booth um, and wait till church starts and just show up and do my thing and then leave. And that's not good for the church. I need to be able to be good on Sunday um, and offer my best self to people because that's what they expect of me. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to do for a few people what I wish I could do for everyone so I don't burn out relationally. Another way I set relational boundaries is by surrounding myself with encouraging and positive people. If you're grumpy, if you complain all the time, we're likely not going to be hanging out. And I am probably should be upfront with people about that. I don't know how upfront I usually am about that, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I can't handle the constant complaints. What I would say is don't give all your time to those negative people, you know, the ones that are just constantly, chronically negative. Don't let them suck out your soul because... I think that can totally extinguish your calling. In the same vein, remember that haters gonna hate and you're not a troll whisperer. What I mean by that is there are always gonna be people who, const who are constantly critical of your work in ministry. Um, it, it just kind of comes with the territory, I think. People in church complain about things and that's just the world we live in. We live in a world where, where freedom of speech is, is widely accepted and, and we rejoice in that. <laughs> but sometimes people say crazy things to us after church on Sundays, right? So our policy in my context is to simply thank people for their feedback. And then if they have uh, further needs, invite them to a one-on-one -on -one visit with the elders or the leadership. And really, none of those chronically negative people have ever taken us up on an invitation like that. Um, it usually stops with that. And so the, the best way to just deal with that is to say, thank you, I appreciate your feedback, and move on. Um, so when people are hating, <laughs> uh, just let it roll off. You know, ha have a thick skin, be like a duck, let that water roll off. Don't let negativity drain you from the fun uh, that we get to have in serving God's kingdom. This is a fun job. Ministry should be fun. Your work should be a blast. You should want to go into work every day. Don't let negative haters and trolls uh, suck that life out of you. So I want to close the discussion uh, on relationship boundaries with a thought from author and researcher Brene Brown. There's an article online where she outlines three ways to set boundaries. The premise of her article is that when people ask something of us, we often think that yes is the most comfortable answer. Saying yes helps us avoid disappointing that person who is asking something of us. And it also keeps us safe from that social discomfort. Uh, introverts, you are, you are tracking with me here. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? But there's that flip side of this as well. We, we don't want to disappoint somebody, so we say yes. Or we, we don't want to deal with the discomfort of saying no, so we're like, yeah, yeah, well, I'll do it, whatever it is. But on the flip side, we immediately resent our decision 
because it just drains us emotionally. We know that we're going to have to give even more of ourselves that we weren't prepared to give because we said yes to this thing, whatever it was. So out of her three suggestions, let me give you two of them that are most helpful for me. Uh, first off, she suggests that you make some sort of mantra or a motto. For my wife and I, we've chosen uh, a motto based on the book by Lisa Turkhurst called The Best Yes. Uh, the book is based on the idea that we say yes to a lot of good things, and in doing so, we miss out on great things. So when my wife and I are asked to do something, we have to reflect on, is this our best yes? So maybe it's being asked to teach a Bible class and lead a small group. We have to determine maybe what are what's our best yes this season of life. Is it leading a small group this season or is it teaching a Bible class? Um, and so that's just a simplistic scenario where there's two, there's usually three or four things that are laid before us and we have to make that decision. And I'm sure as a young leader yourself, you're dealing with that as well. There's three, four, five decisions and we have to give our best yes and we got to say no to some of these really good things that we want to do um, because it's not our best yes at that time. For Brene Brown, her mantra is choose discomfort over resentment. She says that she would rather say no and endure that momentary discomfort than to say yes and have to endure the long-term resentment of making that decision. Um, and that's hard for those of us who are introverted, and, and maybe, maybe even so for those of you who are extroverted. Uh, you say yes to this thing because you don't want it to cause this social discomfort between you and this person. Um, but you just end up resenting it in the long run. And so it would have been better just to say yes or say no and, and let it pass. Um, so what I would push you to say is learn to practice to say no. So find out uh, something to ask yourself when you're setting boundaries. You know, filter that stuff through this question. And speaking of learning to say no, that's exactly what she suggests as another point. Just practice saying no to people. It really does take practice. Um, it's, it, it, it takes practice to say things that you're unable to do or unwilling to do because it's not the best choice for you at that time. So practice saying things like, you know, my plate is really full at this time. And be honest about it. Don't, don't just tell a lie just because you don't want to do it, right? If you don't want to do something, just say, hey, I, I'm not really interested in that. Um, you can say something maybe to soften that a little bit and you can say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just not sure I'm the best person for this job. Or just simply give them this, uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity, but I can't dedicate my time and energy to a project like this at this time. Uh, there's a perfect example of this from my wife. She, she gave me a great example uh, here the past few weeks. We're starting a new marriage ministry in the fall where she and I are going to be leading this uh, ministry for all married couples within our church. And it's a pretty big undertaking starting in September. Well, she was also approached to take over the women's ministry retreat. Um, and there were some folks who wanted her to kind of help guide and plan it uh, with a team. 
And I'm really proud of her because she said no to that because she wanted to dedicate her time to married people. Um, that ministry that we're about to do in September for, for married folks. Uh, that was hard for her because she wants to see the best of this women's retreat and she wants to give her best to it. But she realized that she couldn't do both things well. She, she could only do one thing well. And so I know that as young leaders, we're faced with that um, time and time again. And so we just got to learn to say no. So practice it. Practice saying no. This was a hard lesson for my wife and I to learn as young ministry um, partners. We realized that this past year that we were growing weary from saying yes to so many different things. My wife, Sarah, felt as if she needed to be involved in, in a number of different ministries, just like I told you. And as the wife of a minister, she thought she was just going to have to say yes to everything. You know, I was saying yes to a lot of extracurricular work that was just wearing me out. Um, I, I actually had a job where I was teaching music um, on the side at a studio here in town. And I was tutoring uh, as a, an outreach from our church. I was involved in, you know, obviously in the music ministry, which is where I serve primarily, and, uh, you know, working in administration. I just had a lot of plates spinning, and then I realized I was burning out on those things. And, and I wasn't getting to do the things that I really enjoyed doing, like teaching Bible classes um, or, you know, enjoying small group or uh, anything like that. And so what we chose to do was just begin to slowly chip away those things that were wearing us out. We had to say no to some great ministries. We said no to dinners. We even had to say no to some of our best friends. Um, but because of that, we are more alive than ever. I'm telling you, this is one of the best seasons of life that we've had as ministers. Uh, and I say that, and this week we were sitting down at lunch today and realized that it's not going to be today as a, as a Tuesday when I'm recording this. It's not going to be to like next Sunday when I have a, a free uh, weeknight. Um, but we chose that. We chose to be that busy in this season. So what we're trying to learn is how to say no to those things that are good so that we can say yes to great things. So let me recap just all of the boundary stuff we've talked about the past two episodes. First of all, set healthy time boundaries. Learn to Sabbath. Do for a few what you wish you could do for everyone. Surround yourself with people who are encouraging and positive to you. And learn to say no that you can free up a better yes later. I'll give you one last thought. Your work as a church leader is eternally important. But... I think that when we stand before God, when He comes back to restore this world, we'll be judged in our lives by how we treated our families and how we handled our lives rather than how many phone calls and emails and texts you answered in your career. So what I want you to do tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, is sleep well knowing that the kingdom of God is going to continue to move long after you end your career. I hope that these episodes have been really helpful for you, and I pray that by setting up good, healthy boundaries 
early on in your ministry, you're going to have a life-giving, long-term, fun-filled career in ministry. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.